I had a house. I was barely making it. I thought I was doing okay, but I was I was literally eating oatmeal and 20 cent hamburgers from the cheap hamburger place. And I had a mentor friend at the time saying, you're better than this. You're better than this. You may think you're doing okay, but if you stay down this path, this is not where you need to go. This, you are better than this. You're made for better things. We've all heard it said that managers make a difference in our jobs. Well, so do the executives. And today, I'm honored to have one of the executives that's been a mentor in my career, Shar Jordan. She's been in VP-level roles for about two decades, and she reflects on what managers and executives look at with employees and advice that she received to help catapult her career and what she shared with me and others in her life to help them do the same. Enjoy this conversation with Shar Jordan. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. Shar Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Justin. It's great to be with you. If you would allow me to, I'd love to start with a quick story of how the guest has provided for me. So can I share a story that comes to my mind? Sure. Thank you. So you may not know this, but how we connected was I was working for a small startup that had just been acquired by a larger organization. And you were in leadership of that larger organization. And you were making your first trip from Denver to our office in Durham, North Carolina. At the time, I had been with this company about four years, fresh out of college, and something kind of random happened where I grew up my hair and had a ponytail. Uh, I don't know what happened. I never had long hair in college, but something, something happened where you're in the startup environment and uh, I'm a bachelor at the time. And before you know it, I stopped getting my hair cut and I've got this ponytail and I hear that, oh, this big shot VP is coming in from Denver. I should probably get a haircut. Not knowing what I was doing, Char, I said, you know, maybe I need to go to like a real nice place to get my hair cut. I went to a, like a, a woman's salon the day before you came. So this is your first trip. I'm sure the last thing in your mind is like, what is this young guy doing uh, with his hair? But unbeknownst to you, I'm thinking, oh, I got to make a good impression. Let me clean up a little bit. So I go out to the salon, get a haircut, tell him like, I, I want it short and just do whatever. I don't really know what it is. I haven't gotten a haircut in a while. So I go from this ponytail length, like down, you know, kind of below the shoulders and I get my haircut and then I go into the office. You know what I later learned? was uh, the haircut that I got is called a bob. <laughs> they just gave me like this woman's bob. Oh my God. So that's what I learned what a bob was for the first time, Shar, thanks to you. And the first time that you came to Durham. So did you know that story? No, that's the first time I've heard that story. That's hysterical. I had no idea. That's funny. That's <laughs> sad and funny. <laughs> the pressure that, that you, unbeknownst to yourself of the executive coming into the office made me clean up a little bit. But that's not how you provide. <laughs> I just want to share that quick story. That was the first time we met and you came in and you were nothing like the executive that I thought in my mind of someone that was going to be removed and very kind of calloused. Pleasantly surprised that you just had a really warm and welcoming spirit about you. That was my first feeling of executive leadership in this new world of small company becoming large company. And it was really nice to see how you came in with such a humble attitude and asked us a bunch of questions, did not make fun of my Bob. <laughs> and I just gained a lot of respect for you. What do you remember about your first trip to Durham? Take us back to that moment where here you are meeting the new team that you're managing. It was a long time ago, and you probably don't have a specific memory of getting a Bob before the trip, but does anything stand out to you about that? A couple things, I guess. I had, I've been working for my company for 15, 20 years. And when I walked in, 
everybody was talking to each other. Everybody seemed like they're close. They seemed like they were having fun. There were silly flags on everybody's desk about what personality traits they had. And I, I thought, this is a really interesting culture. And I hadn't been with, I mean, the company I'd been with had an okay culture and we tried to instill culture, but you guys seem to have just a really natural culture. You obviously worked hard. It was a startup. Everybody was, took chance on this company, and, and but you clearly were having fun with each other. So that was my first impression. I was, I was impressed with the people. It was so fun to then see what it was like to go from a startup to a large organization and have an experience to work with professionals like yourself. And so catch us up to speed now. What is your role? What do you do on a day-to-day basis? You're working from home like we all are at this time, but at a large company with IBM. And so what do you do for the listeners that don't know your background? Right now, I'm doing mostly things around helping clients get the most value out of the product. So if it's running a group of client service managers or implementation, or right now I'm doing a lot of operations things, trying to have 20-year-old systems that are just a mess. They're antiquated. It takes forever. It's lots of manual data entry. So I'm coming in trying to do a couple things. Challenge the culture because after 20 years of them saying we've always done it this way, me coming and saying, well, why? Why? Let's look at that. Let's challenge that assumption that was made 20 years ago. And then uh, finding tools that help them visualize not only that things can get better, but that we have to get better. We, you know, if we, I keep bringing in a startup. I said, if we were a startup and starting from scratch, you never would have designed things this way. And so getting people to think like a startup, having an entrepreneurial spirit of let's jump in there, let's think differently, let's uh, have a growth mindset. We're, we're really spending a lot of time with that now because back to the, we've always done it that way. How do you get people when they've been and they've been trapped in a, in a role and a job and a way of thinking for so long to help them think differently? So that's a lot of what I'm doing right now. How many people are reporting up to you these days? Like what is the size of your team? A year ago, I had a bunch of products under me and a bunch of staff. I probably had hundred and so people. The company ended up deciding that they wanted to get out of this business. And so they let these products go. They sold them, partnered with another company. And, and so my team, unfortunately, that I've been working so hard with for so many years, we ended up letting them go last year. So I went from probably 100 folks to literally down to four or five, but then I got a new role. And now my new team, I have about 65 or so people on the other team that I've, the new team that I picked up for a new product. So it's ebbed and flowed a bunch over this last year. And with your professional journey, did you ever think you'd get to this place of managing such large products and teams and challenging culture, as you mentioned? Was that something you always hoped for and you saw yourself in? I love working with people. My favorite part of my job really is around the mentoring, the helping people live up to their potential, think that they could do more than they actually can. I'm just a huge believer that if people are happy and engaged in what they're doing, they will work so hard for you. They will work so hard for their clients. They will work so hard for the company. That's really what I've always enjoyed doing is working with the people always been pretty ambitious. And even though I'm not running a company and I really don't have any intention of doing so, I love being kind of second in command. So that's what I've been doing for a long time, being like right now I'm second in command to my boss now, running his operations, trying to make things better. And I love fixing things. I love helping people. And those two things come together so much. If you can fix things, it helps people and helps them grow and imagine new possibilities. And I remember some specific advice that you gave me. So uh, 
just to go back to how fun this podcast is, is to have an excuse to reconnect with mentors in my life is that you really made a positive impression beyond just how you carried yourself into the office as a senior executive coming in for the first time into our startup. The other moment that I specifically remember is you came and you worked alongside us in the cubicles and you gave me some one-to-one feedback. And that was, Justin, you need to make sure to let your managers know what all you're working on. Because I had no idea that this is all on your plate or this is what you, know, you had your hands in. And that stuck with me as well, because there's this delicate balance of wanting to and needing to just get your job done. At the same time, letting your team members and your colleagues know that you're owning this just so that there's some transparency in the process. As you mentioned, maybe it's a process that needs to be challenged or maybe it needs to be an employee needed to be celebrated. So that might be advice that you give to some of the people that you mentor today, but I just wanted to highlight that moment is I specifically remember your call to action for me to say, don't just be focused so myopic on what you have on your plate in front of you. Be sure to let your managers know what you're working on and your team members uh, work on. Is that advice that you find yourself giving to younger employees often? Oh, yeah. All employees. I'm still giving that advice. I had that conversation with a person just last week about that because a lot of people think, well, if I just do my job, people will notice. They'll know I'm, I'm working hard. They'll, I'll get the recognition. I'll, they'll know I'm doing a good job. And it, it just doesn't happen that way because people are focused on their own little thing. They figure if it's not broken, I'm like, I don't need to fix it. So they're not paying attention to what you're doing. So two things happen. Number one is you get ignored, you get, you get lost in the shuffle, you get forgotten about if you're not amplifying what the good things are that you're doing for the company or for your clients. And it's not in a bragging way, it's an exposure way to say, look, our team, my, what I'm doing, my team is important to the company. And you need to know about this because, because you can leverage that like a salesperson could leverage those, those good things. You can use that as a part of a differentiator. So it's not so much bragging. It's just really important to let you let people know that. And then in the, in the self-preservation part of that, I think it's really important too, because in the absence of letting people know your accomplishments, people make up stories that, oh, well, they're, they must not be working very hard. I don't really hear from them. I don't really, what are they doing over there? So I think it's twofold. Out of sight, out of mind. So you you really have to be intentional about amplifying the work that you do in a way that helps people understand the impact of the business. And that's an interesting point is how do you amplify your work in this new remote work, COVID pandemic environment that we find when you are managing your team? How do you encourage them to do that? And maybe how do you do that in your own work? I had a boss a few years ago tell me the same thing. It's like, well, you're quietly competent. And I was like, ah, that's not what you want to hear. Because quietly competent means they don't think about you for promotions or raises or new opportunities. So I need to take my own advice at times too, for sure. But I think in in terms of what we need to do for COVID, it's even more important because it's truly out of sight, out of mind. You're not seeing people hustle around the office. And so the most important thing that we've been doing lately is operational reviews where you come to a set meeting and talk about the projects you're working on, talk about the accomplishments, talk about the milestones, talk about the team you're working with on it, because it's always a team sport. And that gets people to go, oh, you know, that's great to know this is so helpful. And so it's back to, it's not a thing about bragging. It's a thing about this is information that people need to know to help them do their jobs better. So a lot of times you have to elbow your way in. You have to say, I've got something that I'd really like the team to know about. Can I get 10 minutes on the next agenda? 
to give them an overview of that. And, and I make sure people, number one, they're always on camera. I think it's a huge missed opportunity when people are too shy or they don't, you know, they're having a bad hair day to not be on camera when they're, when they're talking about the things, anything that they, that they want to contribute, any meeting, I, I ask people to be on camera because you make a connection. You're not out of sight, out of mind. It's so important. So I think from a leadership perspective, I use cameras on my meetings. My boss uses cameras for their meetings. And I think that visibility, it's a huge missed opportunity. People turn off their cameras because they're shy or they don't think they look good on cameras. I think that's silly. That would be my advice during COVID is turn on your cameras, amplify, ask to be given some time and then come prepare. Don't just talk put together some slides, put together a picture, put together a client quote, put together something that shows the impact of what you're working on. That's great practical advice. Before you were the one giving all this advice and guidance and mentoring, as you think back to your story, whether personally or professionally, what are some moments that stand out to you of really being provided for? This one I was given some thought to because it relates to my story with you. And you may not think about this as your story with me, but I remember I was, we had an, an opening for a manager position and you were interviewing with another person and you had come into the office so many times with, you've got these, you know, these stock programs where you were helping people trade stocks. You were ambitious. You were, you had initiative, you were magic in front of clients. You had a technical expertise. You just, you were just so good. And I remember talking to one of my colleagues saying, I'm going to work for him someday. He's just really great. And so when I, I did something that I think I always in some ways regret and other ways think that maybe that was a good thing, but I, I didn't choose you because I said, you're too good for this place. We are not heading in the direction that I think is great for your life. You're better than this. It always stuck with me because another person told me the same thing years and years ago when I was in my early twenties, I had a house I was barely making it. I thought I was doing okay, but I was, I was literally eating oatmeal and 20 cent hamburgers from the cheap hamburger place. And I had a mentor friend at the time saying, you're better than this. You're better than this. You may think you're doing okay, but if you stay down this path, this is not where you need to go. This, you are better than this. You're made for better things. And I thought the same thing for you back then. And when he did that for me, he said, you, you need to sell your house. You need to quit your job. You need to move back in with your parents and you need to go back to college because I dropped out of college because I thought, oh, I don't need college. You know, I got this good job, but I did, it was not a great job. And so I did that and it was super hard and I did a lot of soul searching. And when I finally had an attitude of let go and let God, which was really hard for me, everything just fell into place. It was, I sold the house by myself to a single female that we neither one of us had realtors, so we both saved a bunch of money. I got into a great college program. I, I found a great mentor, uh, sucked it up and moved back in with my family, got out of a sort of a psychologically damaging relationship and said, my life is on a bad trajectory. I just need to, I, this is not where I meant, where I meant to be. And so I went back to school and then I got my master's and met my husband. I had kids and everything changed when that mentor said, you're better than this. And so that was my story with you too, because I thought you were better than, than that role that you were vying for. And, and it was so fun to see you then go off to graduate school in Ireland. And I've used you as a, talking about providing, one of the people I provide for is my daughter. She just got her master's a year ago. It, literally this morning, 
so this is kind of a convoluted story, but we moved my mother in with us. She's 84. She's got dementia and she needs 24-7 care. And with COVID, before COVID, I said, there's no way she can move in. I'm in the office from six in the morning, sometimes to six at night. There's no way she needs 24-7 care. Now I'm home and my one daughter got, lost her job through COVID. So she's helping me take care of my mom during the day. But I've got the one daughter in Florida, got her master's a year ago, and I'm on the phone with her just before this call, I'm in my mom's bedroom because she's on the other side of the, of the wall here. I want to make sure she's doing okay. And I'm telling my daughter about you. She met you. We, when you came to Colorado with Amy and your, your firstborn, she met you. And I always use you as an example of you are better than this. And, and you can do great things with your life. And I'm telling her the same things because she's in a, in a role that I think she's She's better than that. And so I was giving her exactly the same advice this morning is that uh, is it the same advice I got many, many years ago is you're better than this. And you need to think about the trajectory of your life. Well, thank you for sharing that in such kind words. And, and I remember that moment, yeah, of pushing myself to apply for my first management position there. And then you are so gracious of providing that good feedback. And that helped me think, well, what do I want to do? And I wanted to go back to school. And it sounds like your daughter did the same thing. What a wonderful moment that you're describing about your mentor speaking truth into your life. I mean, that, that obviously changes the trajectory of, of your life and of your career. But take us back to like that conversation. Was it unexpected or is this like a formal thing that you're connecting with this person once a month and really brainstorming? How did what did that look like? I was working for a lumber company back in the day and like a, like a Home Depot, but a local one. And he was a comptroller and I was just sort of the lumber counter person. And, and we struck up a friendship, went to lunch a few times. He's quite a bit older than me. I don't know, through, the, through that year, he became, at the time, I didn't even think about it as a mentor, but I would come to him for situations, you know, like my boss is doing this. Do you have any advice? My, my coworkers are this way. Do you have any, what do you think about that? And so he became a, started as an informal mentor and then I cherished him as a formal mentor and then he passed away. He had uh, diabetes and, and probably, I don't know, two months after he gave me that advice, he had a di he went into a diabetic coma and passed away. But his words always haunted me because it took me a little while to work up the courage to say, I've been out of college for five years. I got to go back to college. I got to sell my house. I got to admit defeat and start over again. But literally his words haunted me to say, I, you know, I, I need better than this. This is not the path that I need to be on. So, so informal to formal, and then be, became someone that his influence, even, even though he passed on, has stayed with me forever. Doesn't that make you so encouraged you know, that you can play that role in other people's lives? So just like you heard that exact words, you gave that to me, and then you continue to do that even with your daughter this morning. I just find that so fascinating that we can influence people's lives in dramatic ways like that. And sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing the practical you know, moments of whether it's my life or your daughter's life with that as well. You've lived such a rich life and made so, so many intentional decisions there. Any other people or moments that stand out to you about being blessed or protected along your journey? I think like you said, sometimes they probably don't even realize it. I, I remember there, I had a boss who at the time I thought he was the hardest boss I ever worked for. He was pretty rough. And he gave me blunt feedback. And but he was an incredible businessman. And I learned, even though it was hard to work for him, because his style was very blunt. I learned more from him than I learned from anybody else. Because he had, he had what nowadays we're, we're calling radical candor, he would tell me exactly what I needed to know. 
in a way that I knew he cared about me. I knew he does. He wasn't doing it because he was malicious or mean to me. He really wanted me to succeed. And he, and he said it in ways where most people, I think when they provide feedback to people, they don't want to hurt people's feelings. They don't, you know, I don't want to take you to take this the wrong way. I, but at the end of the day, it was such an important lesson to me that as long as you know that there's trust and there's caring, having that courage to talk to someone about what they need to know, whatever it is, in a way that helps them grow is a gift. And so he provided for me and he probably doesn't even know it now because I, I think back on him and even though a lot of people are like, oh gosh, I'm so glad he left. I was like, he was the best boss I ever had because he had the courage to, to tell me what I needed to know and didn't worry about hurting my feelings. And I, it didn't hurt my feelings. It was spot on advice. And then how have you developed that radical candor? Did that come naturally or are there books or processes or things you've done to help develop that skill in your own leadership? A little bit of it comes naturally because you care about, if you care about people and you understand it's golden rule, right? If, if I was doing something that someone is like, oh, you know, you, you really need to work on that, but didn't tell me, I would want to know that, right? So to, to me, part of it's golden rule. If I'm doing something I can improve upon, do better, I did something, I bonehead, and they care about me, they say in a way that's carrying this golden rule. So I always talk to my people about that golden rule stuff, doing to others. But the, I think that's a fine line because a lot of people, it's hard to accept feedback sometimes, right? Especially when it's candid. So there are a lot of books and tapes and, and podcasts out there. So look at Radical Candor. There's a, a program that my employer is using right now to help because they understand that that's how you change culture. That's how you grow and improve is if you have the right kind of radical candor, which is trust and caring, but also not being fearful to speak up and not being, uh, not having back offside conversations about things, but just being, being authentic with that. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of tools. I would encourage folks to do that because I think that can be transformational. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I'm always eager to learn. So uh, you continue to teach me along the way here. Well, I know you have an extremely busy schedule and was there anything that you wanted to reflect on or leave our listeners with how we can provide for others, you know, given your professional and personal experiences, what uh, words of encouragement would you like to leave our audience with as we all try to provide better for others around us? I think partly to understand that there's blessings in all this, whether it's the days that I'm with my 84 year old mother and it's, it's a hard day because she's having, she's struggling or we're not with our friends and families anymore to, to think of the blessings. I think the other piece of that is kind of what you touched on that you may not know how you influence someone. One, one of the people that I had to let go last year, cause I had to call all of them. I had to call dozens of people on the same day and say, you're no longer going to have your job. And I felt horrible about that. Right. Cause you're You've mentored these people, you've grown these, you know, these people, I know their stories, I've, I've traveled with them, and then to let them know that they are going to lose their job. And so I felt super bad about that as anybody would. One of the guys called me on one of his last days and said, I just wanted you to know what an influence you were on me because you believed in me sometimes when I didn't even believe in myself. You helped me understand that I was, I was better than, then you helped me get into different roles and challenged me in the ways that really helped lift me up. And as a result of that, my resume is richer and I got a great job offer for a lot more money, which is going to be great because I need it for my family. I'm going to be able to provide better for my family. And he said, I don't know that I could have done that without you. And, and, and to me, it was just, 
helping someone understand that they they're smart, they're talented and, and helping them focus on the right things at their job so that they can accomplish more and helping them understand what, what's important to the business and what's not important to the business. And for him, it was, it meant everything and it helped him get into a new place. And so it was, it was so fulfilling to me because I didn't, I didn't really even think about it that much for him to come back and say, you made a difference. And so I think people don't understand sometimes, like you said, they don't know that you made a difference just by feedback that helps lift them up when sometimes they feel like they may be fallen and they they might look back and say that's a that was a turning point for me and so be free with your uh, feedback for people and understand that sometimes that really does make a difference in a person's life and you may never never know it Thank you so much for sharing those thoughts and your story and for being a positive influence in my life. So I value your feedback and so appreciate you and your time today. And so thank you for providing for me, Shar. Thank you. You've always been a role model to me too. You've got courage and so much going for you. And it's, it's been such a pleasure to, to reconnect and stay connected through those years because I could have felt guilty that I said no, but I'm so glad that you that you ran with that and didn't uh, didn't hold it against me because I, I truly believe you're better than that and you're you're destined for greatness and I think those around you believe the same thing. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before you take off, I wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every Wednesday called A Kind Word. It provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day. It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect. Mm -hmm.